invite you to open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. I want to look at that verse in just a moment as we begin our study. But before we do, it's just good to be here with you all once more. Another Lord's Day. I just have appreciated the service so far. Cody always does such a good job in leading songs. The Bible class was, was encouraging and just appreciate Randy teaching that and doing such a just a tremendous job in that. We have uh, a few visitors out with us. There's a, a visitor from Ohio. Uh, not the first time they've been here. We're very glad to have them back. We even have some visitors here that are visitors to, to all of you, but not visitors to, to Paige and I. We uh, um, got to see some old friends from Alabama, and it's just really good and kind of nostalgic to see those old faces. But um, they're, they're not old faces, uh, familiar faces. <laughs> they're they're, they're young, a young couple just like me and Paige. So it, it's just good to see them. Uh, and, and everyone that, that's here with us for that matter, it's good to be able to worship God and study His Word for a few moments this morning. As I said, if you want to turn to Proverbs chapter 16, I, wanna, I want to very quickly go through a brief story that I think is going to greatly illustrate what this verse in, in Proverbs chapter 16 is really talking about. In verse 27 of Proverbs chapter 16, it says, A worthless man digs up evil while his words are like scorching fire. A perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. When you think about the power that words have, <laughs> you can think of countless examples just in your own life, just in going to school of how often a careless word said, maybe even a true word said, how much damage it could bring to certain individuals. There was a, there was a Christian lady who one day really wanted to do her duty as a Christian, and she wanted to share some news that she had. There was a, a young couple at a congregation who was having a study with, with an, a young woman, and after they were done, the, the, the wife of that couple was taking care of the kids, and the husband drove this young lady back that they had been studying with to her home. And on the way back, while they were just driving back, uh, this, this older woman at the congregation saw this Bible teacher taking this young lady back to her house. And just passing on the road, she started wondering, why in the world is he not with his wife? Why in the world is he with a another young woman. And so being the good Christian lady she was, she thought she needed to tell some people about it. And what happened was she started going to certain individuals throughout the congregation, not going to that man, but going to several other people in the congregation. And she started saying, this man had a woman with him and they were going to do something that they shouldn't have been doing. Now, she did not have the full picture. She just had a glimpse of what was happening. And while there may be something to be said, a point to be made about maybe men and women should never be alone together unless they're married, I think there's a point to be made there. But you think about this older woman. She was just she was trying to serve. She was trying to be a, a Christian woman, warning the congregation about this man who's just openly sinning. But the problem is she didn't have all the facts. She didn't see a sin. In fact, he was doing something that was admirable, him and his wife teaching this young lady. But what occurred was, because this little tidbit of information went throughout different parts of the congregation, finally it had changed and morphed so much that it got back to the wife. And when it had got back to the wife, the story was, was drastic and dramatic, traumatic. 
and they ended up getting a divorce. That's a terrible story, but it is, I think, a very pointed and accurate illustration of what gossip can do, even among Christians. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning, the, the topic of gossip, but especially what I think is an epidemic in, in our culture, which is the justification of gossip. Even Christians struggle with this. I, in fact, this is maybe one of the sins that Christians struggle more with than, than, than others. Because it's not maybe as, as, you know, scandalous from the outset as maybe, you know, just someone who's drunkard, just a drunkard all the time. Someone who is just always going out and partying all the time. It's not as drastic in our eyes, but it is a sin that keeps us from God nonetheless. And I think because of its subtlety, it traps many Christians today. And especially because there are a lot of ways to maybe overlook the sin. Well, what exactly is happening here? Maybe, maybe this isn't gossip. Maybe this is a couple of things. And this is really what I want to start with. How do people justify gossip today? How do Christians justify gossip today? I want to go through just a few instances of what people sometimes say to, to cover their tracks necessarily. But ultimately, it's still gossip. And the first one, I, I think this is one of the most absurd. Well, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to help. You know, just like that old lady in the illustration, she was, trying to be, she was trying to be a good Christian woman. She was trying to warn people. She was trying to serve. But you just think back to the proverb we read in chapter 16 and verse 28. What can that word do? It separates intimate friends. That's the result. And I'll tell you what, regardless of what the, the gossiper tries to say about their motivations, gossip is never motivated by a compassionate heart. It's just never the case. It is always motivated by a selfish one, though, a self-interested one. I'm just trying to help. No, you're trying to help yourself. You're not trying to help anybody else. You know, and, and you could go even further and someone could say, I'm doing this because I'm a servant. No, no, no. You're doing this ultimately because you are a coward. And, I, and you're going to see that all the way throughout this lesson, the, the cowardice, the malice, the bitterness that goes behind this sin of gossip. It, it, it is a heart problem. And it is a heart problem that can do so much devastation, even on the church. And that's why we have to be careful. So, so this is just the, the first, of many, uh, war, or first of many examples that people, of people just trying to justify what they're doing. It's still gossip. Oh, I'm just trying to help. It doesn't matter. What have you done? Well, not only that, but people sometimes say, it, listen, I know that I was talking about it, but it, I, all I said was the truth. So I really shouldn't be getting into that much trouble. You, you know what that really sounds like? Someone comes up to you and says, you know, old brother Joe, he really had a problem with pornography. Eight, eight years ago. <laughs> oh, thank you. That is such relevant information. So, so far away from the actual incident. It just amazes me sometimes how people try to justify their actions by, by really bringing certain uh, events in that should have been put away a long time ago. And, you know, let's just say it's true. Ultimately, what am I doing when I'm revealing that kind of information? Just, just for random arbitrary reasons. What am I doing? Over in Proverbs chapter 17, Proverbs 17, just a page over from the verse we were looking at a moment ago, Proverbs 17 verse 9, it says, He who conceals a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends. Very similar verse to what we read in chapter 16. <laughs> Ultimately, what we're doing is reviving something that should have remained history. This isn't about 
hiding something, hiding sin that should be exposed. That's not what this proverb is talking about. But it is talking about something that should have already been moved on from. Something that's already been settled and doesn't need to be repeated. It shouldn't be repeated. And so, uh, but, but time and time again, people will sometimes try to, try to overlook what they're doing and say, but it was just the truth. But was it really, though? People have always used truthful statements to make completely false accusations or fallacious arguments. Matthew chapter 4, just a very good example of Satan doing that. Every single time, every single time Satan speaks in the Bible, you just know it's a lie. Even in the garden, he just kind of repeats some things that even God has said to, to Adam and Eve, or to, to Adam who related that to Eve. And what does he do? He just, he warps it. And, and he does the same thing with Jesus. He quotes scripture verbatim. But he tries to get Jesus to come to a different conclusion than what God meant for all of us to come to. And, and so, yeah, it's truth. But what, what are you saying with that? What are you trying to imply with that? Somebody comes up and says, you, you probably didn't know this. But 20 years ago, Sister Margaret had a doozy with gambling. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just kind of pulling names out of the air when I'm going through these examples. But, but what is that kind of person doing? 20 years ago, how relevant is that today? All this person is doing is just trying to stir things up. They're trying to make issues among brethren. They're trying to cause strife. They're trying to cause contention between those that are supposed to be completely united. That, what a malicious, what a hateful, and what a worldly kind of thing to do. This is a divisive, contentious person trying to cover up their sin of gossip. Well, not only that, but somebody could come up and say, hey, listen, whoa now, I, I am totally against gossip. In fact, when this person was talking, I was just listening. I didn't say anything. I didn't add, you know, my perspective to it. I, I just was listening to what they were saying. I was just being a good listener. Question, how many people does it take to gossip? How many people do you think it takes? It really takes two. Now, what do I mean by that? Go, go over to Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs chapter 26. There, you might just put a bookmark in, in uh, the book of Proverbs because we're going to be coming back to it frequently. But Proverbs chapter 26 in verse 20. It says, For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, contention quiets down. Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. And so what is he saying? Well, to, to have a fire, what do you need? You need something to burn. If there's nothing to burn, there's not going to be any fire. And, and he uses that to illustrate what the, how, the, how the whisperer and how the gossip Acts. I, I think it's interesting the, the term that it uses here in the New American Standard of whisperer. We'll come back to that later on in the study. But you know how to add fuel to the fire? Simply by just lending an ear. What are you doing? You're stoking that fire. You're just, you're just trying to keep that going. Let me tell you, you're guilty of gossip whether you're the tongue or the ear. Over in Proverbs 17 again in verse 4. Look at how, look at how clear wisdom is here. Proverbs 17 and verse 4. An evildoer. An evildoer does what? Listens to wicked lips. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. So how many people does it take to gossip? It's ultimately going to take two. Now it's not saying that if someone comes and gossips to you that you're, you, you're just immediately a sinner but, but, or you're immediately engaging in the same sin. What it really comes down to is how are we responding to the gossip? How am I responding to this sinful attitude? Because I don't want to encourage it. I don't want to add to it. I need to do my best to cut it off. 
And we'll get into some of the solutions of how to do that as we go throughout. But still just staying with this notion of, of those who, who, who just try to add fuel to the fire or, or try to uh, continue that gossip. I, I would just say really more of, as a word of warning. And the, and the Proverbs do this consistently as well in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 19. Proverbs 20 and verse 19, look at what he says. He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with the gossip. I can't remember. I think it was the ESV. It's another translation that says, so avoid the gossip. Why are we trying to avoid a gossip at all costs? Well, in this case, he's saying, listen, he is, he is acting like he is confiding in you and he is putting his trust in you by sharing someone else's secrets, not his own. And so don't think that when you confide in him and you trust him with your secrets or maybe some past issues that you had that maybe you've even worked through, don't think that he's not going to do the same with someone else. Just because he's very trusting of you in this moment, he's going to be very trusting of someone else in the future. And so when they get the chance, they will turn around and slander you. Therefore, avoid them. Stay away from them. Do not associate with the gossip. This is how drastic the solution is in, 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 from God's wisdom. He says, you do not even associate with it. It's too dangerous. And you think about what James says, all th especially in James chapter 3, about the devastation that the tongue can bring, the need to bridle it. We need to keep that in mind. With how hard it is to tame that and, or bridle the tongue, how much destruction it can bring just by a careless, a careless word. We need to be careful about bridling our own tongue. We need to be careful about not listening to others as well who seriously need to tame their tongue. This, this, someone who says this, is an individual just trying to act like it's okay to seek out gossip, ultimately to seek out sin. That's, that's what they're excusing. Oh, I know this. Listen, of course this is gossip. I don't want anything to do with it, but I'm really not involved. No, you are. You're involved and you're guilty of it. Well, not only that, but people might try to uh, kind of what we were talking about a little bit earlier at the beginning, they're trying to, trying to take on the, the attitude of a, of a soldier, trying to take on the person of someone who has resp responsibility. Listen, I have a job. To, I'm just trying to warn people about him or her. I'm just trying to show people and, and you know, warn people about the kind of man or the kind of woman that this brother or sister is. I, people have tried to justify gossip against the church by doing exactly this for ages. What's something that some individuals say from time to time about us? Oh, they just don't care about orphans. Really? That's not true. <laughs> but, but, you know, listen, we're, it, I guess it works. Because people hear that and it's, it's emotionally inflammatory language. They use it for a reason. How, how about this? Oh, those people, they just, they, they don't believe in the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, let me just ask, does anybody want to raise their hand and say they don't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? No, everybody in this room believes in the Holy Spirit. Everyone believes in the power. Everyone believes in the power that he has given to us through this word. But, but when people say that, what are they trying to do? They're trying to slander. They're trying to corrupt people's minds about really just the proper way to approach Scripture. But hey, that kind of slander, it works. It doesn't have to be tested. It doesn't really have to be you know, confirmed as soon as it's spoken, it immediately begins working on the mind. 
This is someone who tries to corrupt people's views about a person or a group, whether it's the individual or the collective. And I'll tell you what this ultimately sounds like. You remember that story of Absalom in 2 Samuel chapter 15? What Absalom says about his own father, Absalom's really bitter about all the things that's happened within his family, within his household. And what does he try to do? He's trying to steal the kingdom from David. And how does he begin that? By sitting at the city gates and everyone who enters, who's going to speak to David, who David would have readily received in and accepted and listened to their pleas, listened to their, their intercessions. What does Absalom say? Oh, oh, if only the king would listen to the pleas of, of the citizens of this kingdom, of this beautiful kingdom. And if only someone would just put me in charge, if only someone would just put me in the place so that way everyone in Israel would be able to be heard and they would be answered. Oh, what glorious weight of humility that has been bestowed upon me. I'll tell you what, that's the attitude of a gossip. That is the character of a gossip. They try to act like, oh, I'm just, I'm really trying to serve here. They say, oh, you know, I really don't want to do this, but, you know, i, I got to share this with you. Just like Absalom. Over in Proverbs 18, Proverbs 18 and verse 8, Proverbs 18 and verse 8, it says, The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. Listen, I... I had no idea that I was doing this. I had no idea that I was hurting someone's character, that I was slandering someone's reputation. I had no idea. No, you, you knew exactly what you were doing. When we gossip, we know exactly what we're doing. In fact, that's one of the reasons I didn't start by giving a bunch of definitions about what gossip is. We know what gossip is. We know exactly what gossip is. In fact, many of us have probably even felt the devastation just on our own lives from gossip, whether it be from school, Maybe at work, maybe even within the church. We know what gossip is. And so you can't, you can't put your hands up and say, oh, of course, if I had known this, I wouldn't have done it. No, you knew exactly what you were doing, and that was the whole reason you did it. Because you were self-interested, and you were trying to change someone's perspective on this brother or this sister. And that is sinful. And I'll tell you one way that Christians have done this within the church and not, not realizing it. This has happened so often when it comes to church discipline. I can't tell you how many times brethren have come to me and started talking about all oh, this specific congregation. They just, they just don't have any love. They just don't have any compassion or empathy. Because look at what they did with this brother. They, they just withdrew from him. They, they, they took their fellowship. or they, they made clear with him that there's no fellowship between them any longer. They're just so unloving. And they completely forget or they completely overlook how that person has been acting. It doesn't matter whether they have been posting pictures of them partying on the weekends or if they've just simply been not active and not engaging, not present in the assembly. You know, it, well, none of that matters. We don't have to test that. This, this group, they're just so unloving. A lot of times, I will say, I think, I think it stems from, well, this was a dear friend or this was a family member. In that case... You should be bolstering their decision in obeying the scriptures, not ripping down their reputation. Because what happens when everyone else hears that? Guess what? We're overlooking sin and we're condemning righteous behavior, righteous indignation. And that is a problem. This is bitter and factious person trying to justify their gossip. The one who says, hey, I'm just, I'm just trying to warn people. Well, finally, and there are so, so many other examples that we could go through, but this, this is just all that could fit on the chart, so this is where we're going to end. But, but what about the person 
And you can almost kind of, you can almost kind of understand the person who has been victimized by gossip. And so what do they do? They decide to reciprocate. It, all of these are absurd. They are ridiculous. Maybe this is one of the most, if not the most ridiculous statement made by any. Because here is the innocent, here is the victimized who now is trying to be just like, do the same wrong that someone did to them. Now, they were innocent, but now, now they're not. Because instead of be, being willing to be defrauded, what do they do? They get angry, they get bitter, and now I'm, all right, I'm going to start talking about this person. They said some things about me. Guess what? Everybody's going to know about the problems that I've been, become privy to. How, how could a Christian respond this way? What did, when Peter tells us to follow in Christ's steps in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 23, did he say Christ, while being reviled, reviled in like manner? No, he says, while being reviled, remained silent. He did not revile in return. He says, you be like Christ. You follow in his footsteps. Don't be like people who are either unbelieving sinners or Christians who are in the midst of sin. Don't follow after their footsteps. You follow after Christ's. And this is, why, this is such a tragic instance when somebody says something like this because they, they, they started off being innocent. But now they're using their victimized status, as many people do today in our culture, they use that victimized status to try and justify becoming the victimizer by participating in the exact same slander. No matter how you, no matter how you say it, it's sin. No matter how you've been wronged, it's sin. No matter what has been said about you, it's sin. Gossip. No matter what is always considered sin. And it will always be something that separates us from God and does so much damage to the church. And so we need to be aware of these kinds of things. And we got to make sure we are not justifying, like, like so many people do today, their sin of gossip. Now, I want to end this morning by just asking a few questions. And really, I, I want to come about it from the standpoint of we know what gossip is. We know how devastating it is. We know even some of the justifications people make to try and overlook that sin. But what am I supposed to do? How do I know what to do when I come into contact with gossip? Here are some, just a few questions, not, not an exhaustive list, but just a few questions that I think are really helpful to ask when it comes to, am I engaging or am I cutting this off? How do I keep myself from gossip? Well, first of all, as we kind of talked about at the beginning, we need to ask ourselves, am I speaking carelessly? Over in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. Matthew 12 and verse 36. <clears throat> it says, But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. What does he say? Every careless word, every idle word that people speak. I will have to give an, account, an accounting for to God. We cannot afford to simply just speak rashly without any consideration whatsoever. As we talked about in James chapter 3, I don't, we're not capable of doing that. We always have to have that, that bridled tongue. There's never a moment where we just say, no, I'm, I'm good. Let that go. No, we have to stay with that kind of mindset. Before even thinking about what we say out loud, we just need to think, 
I think, how easily we do this online. How many times on social media have I shared something? Have I liked something that is just utterly sinful? Or maybe not just utterly, but subtly. And, and, and you know, it, it's not just right there in your face, but there are things that are sinful in that post that I don't want to be associated with. I don't understand. I don't understand how people sometimes have this disconnect. But I'll tell you what, especially when you look at the media today, how often does gossip prevail? It prevails every single moment. It shouldn't prevail and it shouldn't be propagated. It shouldn't be shared by Christians. Christians are to be the ones who, who have said, oh, is, is this true? Then we can move on. But first, is this true? Am I, am I sharing slander on social media? Am I buying into something that's not been proven like gossip? I think it's very easy to get sucked into that. So we need to think, am I, am I speaking carelessly? Uh, and going along with that, we need to ask, do I, before, I, before I say something to someone, do I know this for a fact? Am I an eyewitness to this? Did I see it? Did I hear it with my own ears? Let me clarify. The question is not, do you trust who told you? The question is, did you actually see it or hear it? We all trust people. There's always going to be people that we trust, and we trust their, their, when they tell us a story, when they tell us about someone else. But let me tell you something, that's their version of the story. And especially when they've heard it from someone else, who's heard it from somebody else? We've got to be careful. How easy do stories change? Just over the years, you, you, know, you have a close friend who likes to tell a story. And, and you remember two years ago, they told it one way, but then two years later, they're telling it to a different group of people. And now there's a few new details that are just really, you know, there's some embellishments, but wow, they make the story pop. And, and you know, there's nothing wrong with being a good storyteller. There is something wrong with sharing or, or even allowing something to change our perspective about someone without it being confirmed. We need to make sure that we're not just trusting other people's hearsay. It shouldn't ever be hearsay. Someone comes up and says, well, I don't know this for a fact. Okay, then stop talking. Don't say it. Now, this, is just, this may just be, you know, some hearsay. This may just be a little bit of gossip among some people. Okay, I don't want to hear it then. That's how we can stop it, right at its core. I mean, we don't have to continue that conversation. We can just say, all right, then let it go. So now, there's an objection to that. Someone may come in and say, but listen, there are moments where we need to get involved. When we hear about something, maybe it's something that just an egregious sin. And we need to get to the, the root of the issue. We need to get to the bottom of this. Granted, that's true. We do need to get to the bottom of things. When, the, when, when someone has been slandered, or if it turns out to be true, we need to figure that out so that way we can either you know, help that brother come to repentance or get down further into discipline. But when I say granted, that means you go to the person being talked about not everyone else around them. See, that's a good justification, right? Well, I, I, I'm worried about this person. And so what do they do? They go to everybody else except the one person that would be really helped to be talked to about it. Guess what? That's gossip. Are you willing to go to that person? If not, you probably shouldn't be saying it. Or if you're not willing to go to that person but you're sharing it with others, 
It's probably gossip. And you can look at Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19, just consistent passages that talk about the need for eyewitnesses. Why? To confirm every fact, to make sure that we're not just putting men out of the eldership, that we're not just kicking people out of the church because of hearsay, but because actual sin is among us. But when gossip goes unchecked, and there's no confirmation. I tell you what, this leads to more disunity. This leads to more chaos. This leads to more discord, as Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We do not want to be associated with that kind of slander, with that kind of destruction. So we need to shut it down. When people come to us and, and, and try to start talking about, okay, is, did you see this? Did you hear it? And even if they say, all right, yes, I did. Well, then you should say, okay, well, then wh wh why don't we bring this other person in? A lot of times you'll figure out whether someone's a gossip or not by their answer to that. Oh, never mind. I think we're good. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of times that happens. But we need to make sure that we don't add on to that sin. Well, not only that, but hearkening back to some of the verses that we've read, the Proverbs that talk about this, and I want to read a couple more here. Go back to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs chapter 26 in verse 20 beginning. Proverbs 26 in verse 20. It says, For lack of wood, as we already read, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, contention quiets down, like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost part of the body. I love the way that this describes gossip, because it brings, this, it brings in this notion of whispers. You know how people whisper I don't want them to hear this. Are, are you sure that she can't hear? You know, that's what we mean. When, when the Proverbs, when God talks about whisperers, that's the kind of person he's talking about. And when people come to us and say, hey, I don't want them to hear this, probably not talking about the best things. Now, we're not talking about someone who's trying to give a surprise birthday party to their spouse. That's a different thing entirely. And I think that we are bright enough to know the difference. But when there's someone who's coming to us not willing to confirm the facts, not willing to go to the person, but just coming to us to say, hey, let me tell you about something that I heard. And they don't have the confidence to say it out loud. If someone does not have the confidence to say something to someone's face, this is something my dad told me all the time when I was growing up. If you can't say something to someone's face, you shouldn't be saying it at all. I, I tell you, I don't think that died out as I got older. If you can't say something to someone's face, but you go around and say it to everybody else, what a coward. I don't want to be that kind of person. Because ultimately, as you, you, you go over to Proverbs 25. Look, look at what this passage says. It, it very similar to the passage we just read, but Proverbs 25 and verse 23. It says, The north wind brings forth rain and a backbiting tongue and angry countenance. What's interesting about this is, I think we know what backbiting means. It's gossiping about someone behind his back. It's pretty, it's pretty on the nose with the name. What's interesting is there's a footnote in my Bible with the word backbiting, and the footnote says literally, a tongue of secrecy. Maybe someone's not necessarily whispering, but they're being very secretive about some information. They're being very exclusive about some things. What does this look like? Well, I want to tell a few people about this, but, but, but not these people. They're not a part of our clique, so, so they don't get to know, but, but you don't get to know. 
or just specifically excluding someone because you're talking about them. Again, I think it's pretty clear. So someone says, come over here. I don't want them to hear this. That person is nothing but a malicious, bitter coward. I don't want to be that kind of person that brings that kind of devastation. How many times has, have you been the person that's been whispered about? Let me ask, was it very, was very encouraging? I tell you what, clearly it was very discouraging, but it was more than that. It's something that brings you down. And it makes you question things. It makes you question things. It makes certain people question even their faith. It makes certain people question the church and their relationship to it. How can I be a part of something like that that's going to make someone doubt that way? We need to cut this off. Whether, whether it's me or it's someone else coming to me, I'm not going to be a part of that. You want to whisper? Fine. Do it somewhere else. You ain't doing it here. That's the kind of conviction I want to have as a Christian. Because guess what? They're not just talking about anybody. They're talking about my brother and they're talking about my sister. And when you talk about my family, you have a problem with me. And so we're going to cut that off. So do I have to whisper about it? Not only that, but am I trying to corrupt or edify someone's thoughts about a particular person? And there is a difference, you know, or am I trying to change someone's perspective on someone in a, in a malicious way? Or am I trying to change someone's perspective? Let's, let's try to give them the benefit of the doubt. Because there is a big difference. Over in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 29 beginning. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 29. It says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Coming back to verse 29, he says, don't be a part of this. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But also make sure that if you do speak, it is good for edification according to the need of the so that it will give grace to those who hear. Again, it's not just about giving grace to the one who you're speaking about. It's about giving grace to those who are around you. And when you're gossiping, you're not just hurting that person who's being victimized specifically. You are hurting everyone else. I don't want to be guilty of that. I want to be an encourager. I want to be a son of encouragement like Barnabas. Not people that would speak poorly about him. Not people that would speak poorly about Paul. I don't want to be those people that we were discussing in the Bible class while we were going through Philippians chapter 1 and chapter 2. I want to be an Epaphroditus. Not the people that bring more concerns to, to such a man as Paul. So am I speaking about someone to try and give them the benefit of the doubt? That, that's the way to respond, I'm telling you. The way to respond is, I'm worried about that person. Let's go talk to them. That is how we talk about somebody. Not, he looks like he's struggling. I bet you he spiraled out of control and he's about to break. He's about to go crazy. That's gossip. No solution there. Just continuing, continuing the grumbling. Continuing the complaints. Rather than trying to go and help the brother. If you're not willing to help, I'll just say it's very easy to tell. That's, that means... I'm a part of that camp of gossiping. And, and I, again, it's not wrong to just speak about brethren you know, entirely. Because when you think about a, gr a group of elders that come together you know, weekly and they talk about the certain members who might be struggling in the congregation, is that gossip? Is that slander? No. And in fact, one of the reasons I'd say it's not backbiting is because everyone knows. I remember when I was in Alabama, preaching in Alabama, 
Everyone knew that the elders were meeting together weekly to talk about the health of the flock, to talk about certain individuals that they needed to study more with and that may need to be encouraged. So clearly it wasn't gossip because everyone knew what they were doing. But it's not gossip to talk about, brethren. It dep what is wrong is when men, I tell you, who aren't elders decide to take that job on themselves but just create an echo chamber of complaints. And that's happened before too. There, there, are, there are moments where we can speak with, with words of salt for our brethren. And there are words where we just have nothing in us but only language that tears people down. I want to be the kind of person that always gives the benefit of the doubt. And if I'm wrong, it's because, you know what, I, I guess... Yeah, I, I guess they didn't pull through. I guess they didn't repent. I don't want to be proven right by saying, oh, I knew, I knew he was going to do that. I don't, I, I'm not going to be that kind of person. Finally, I think another question we need to ask is, am I seeking truth or am I seeking rumors? And again, I think even here there's big and noticeable differences. There's a big difference between putting away slander, as we were just talking about, and fostering it. Fostering it sounds like, well, what else do you know? Do you have any more details? Or are we going to put it away? Did you ask them about this? Okay, all right, let's go talk to them. I remember one time a woman came up to me. She was so upset about something that, that another member at the congregation said. And, and she pulled me aside. She was talking to me about this, and she was so upset about this. And, and I, we were talking for a while, and finally I just asked, well, did you talk to them about this? She, no. And I said, okay, well, why don't we bring them in? Oh, no, no. Actually, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to be the kind of person that is willing to talk to everyone else about my anger towards somebody and not get it solved right now. What did Jesus say? If you know that if a brother has something against you, you, you continue to give your gift at the altar? No, he says you leave it. You make things right because you don't want to come to God with a, with a sinful conscience and give up that offering. I remember uh, there was an elder's wife one time. There was someone who came up to her. And there was, a, there was a certain individual in the congregation that was having issues. Everyone knew about it. They didn't know all the details, but someone came up to that elder's wife and they said, hey, well, hey what do you know about this? Is there anything that I could do? Well, why don't you tell me some things that, that he's struggling with that I could do? And, and the elder's wife, I thought she responded beautifully. She just said, I've got nothing to say about that. She knew a lot more than probably the rest of the congregation. But how she responded was not by fostering the gossip. She said, we're, just, we're not going to do that here. Rather, we're going to encourage, we're going to edify. There are ways to stop gossip in its tracks, but we need to be looking for them. Am I asking these kinds of questions when I speak about brethren? I know sometimes people, some, there's been a few occasions where people will ask me, you know, sometimes in the applications it seems like you focus more on Christians than you do people who are not Christians. And a lot of times it's because the people, the audience that I'm speaking to are predominantly Christians. And so I don't want you to t come away from this thinking, oh, Oh, uh, apparently I'm the worst person in the world. I don't want you to come away from this thinking, well, Luke just thinks that there are some people here that really need to get their lives together. That's not what I want from this. Just like with every single lesson, with every single Bible study, with every single sermon you hear, I want it to always be not, what about that other person? I want it to always be, what about me? I'll tell you the reason I started coming up with this sermon is because I, I, I realized all of a sudden that there are very subtle ways that I get caught up in gossip, and I am done with it. Because again, this is my family. And I don't want to be the one who tears them down, who ends up being the reason that maybe one day they use the excuse to say, well, I, I left the church, I left God because ultimately 
I came, in, I came in contact with a hypocrite. I never again want to give a pathway to that kind of comment. And so I'm going, I want to be very diligent about this. We can be diligent about this. We can ask these questions. We can make sure that we don't go too far. It's just a matter of are you willing to? And I will just say that comes down to the invitation of the gospel. It always comes down to are you willing to accept God's strictures? Are you willing to accept his conditions? And what are his conditions? You have to believe. You have to act on what you hear. You have to let that produce faithfulness in you. You need to be faithful to God. You need to repent of the things that he says to do away. Confess that Jesus is the son of the living God. Be baptized into his death to rise in newness of life. Are you willing to accept that? If you are, you're ready to become a Christian. You're ready to join this family. And so if you're subject to the invitation of Christ, please come forward. Let your need be made known as we stand and as we sing.